listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your host, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell. If Dave Barry actually gets that drop and I say poo-pooing too many times, that's going to be at the beginning of this podcast. And National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. If that's what I sound like, this podcast ends today. Another week of college football is in the books, and here to break it down, as always, is the aforementioned godfather, Mike Farrell. He's out on the East Coast, and national recruiting analyst, Adam Gorney, on the West Coast. I'm Dave Barry, producer of the show, and guys, we'll jump right into it. We'll talk USC, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Alabama, and of course, our favorite topic, hot garbage. We'll save that for later. But first, let's talk about Penn State, Michigan, a game that wasn't even close with Penn State coming out on top 42-13. Mike, what were you thinking while watching this game? You know, I was surprised at how they went through the defense so so easily. You know, Michigan's defense is very good. They have a, a tremendous defensive coordinator in Don Brown, um, usually a very good game plan, but Joe Moorhead uh, had a better game plan, you know, and I think, you know, from the from the Wildcat play to to utilizing so many different weapons through the passing game, uh, Michigan had no answer, and, and we knew the offense would struggle. I expected maybe a you know, 27-17 game or even a 17-10 game. Uh, so Michigan scored about as many points as I expected them to, but I didn't expect Penn State to put 42 up on that defense. Yeah, I think the thing that really surprised me from that game was was the read option that Penn State was running with so much success. You saw it early in the game with Barkley, you know, breaking those big runs, but McSorley was the one who had three touchdown runs. 76 rushing yards he was averaging seven you know both of them averaged about seven yards a carry so um you know I think that speaks to two things one Michigan's defense maybe being a touch overrated playing no offenses yet this season and uh Penn State being a little bit better than we even expected them to be yeah I think it's Penn State being better um you know I was critical a little bit I thought to take a step back this season you know I thought they caught Lennon in a bottle last year um you know, but I, I didn't believe in McSorley. I, I believed in Barkley. I didn't believe that the defense was going to be as good as it is, and and they're not in the discussion very often, but they should be. I think Penn State's a better football team than we expected. Um, you know, I, I think you know replacing ten starters on defense is difficult, um, but I don't know. I mean, I've seen Don Brown's defenses for years, and. I've never seen a team just go through it like that so easily. So, you know, whatever the game plan was, you know, whether it was to shadow Barkley with a linebacker, which is not a good idea, or whether it was to, you know, keep your corners on an island as usual and and bring different blitz packages. Uh, They didn't play contain. uh, And there were holes that Barkley ran through that were so large. Uh, That's what really surprised me because that defensive line is very stout and good but they were dominated at every turn. So Joe Moorhead is a guy that I think people are going to start talking about as, as a head football coach someplace very, very soon. I know he's been mentioned before. I just don't know what level of job, but he did a great job. I mean, yeah, he's done a, a phenomenal job at the offense. He has head coaching experience at Fordham where he did really well. He's very liked by players, and, and obviously the system that he has in place is working but let's also give credit to this Penn State defense I mean we're, you know we, we talk about Michigan's defense so much and Don Brown and how great they are but this is a Penn State defense giving up less than 10 points a game their offense can pretty much score at will 
They're outscoring people 40 to 9.6 this year. Uh, only six rushing touchdowns, three passing touchdowns. So this is a team that everybody talks about, Trace McSorley, and obviously Saquon Barkley. Uh, but, but defensively, they shut down Higdon early. They Obviously, Michigan can't do much on offense, which we've discussed numerous times here. Um, but it's you know it's, as we move forward here, it's going to be really interesting to see how this Penn State performs in, in really the biggest test of the year this week at Ohio State. Yeah, and we'll talk about that one in the next podcast, um, you know, later on in the week. And let's give credit to James Franklin, too. He's done a tremendous job there. Um, you know, I think there were two guys, Franklin last year after I think I believe it was the Minnesota game, you know, there were a lot of people saying they better turn this around. And that was kind of when things clicked and they started winning football games and becoming a competent football team. His positivity is constant. His focus is, is never-ending. Um, he was a guy that, that some people like us had on a warm seat at least last year, and now he's got the second-best football team in the country, it appears. Um, you know, you know. obviously, James Franklin uh, is loved by Penn State people now, but you know, at this time last year, it was very lukewarm, and uh, you know, he had turned that team from a, a team that went up to Michigan and looked terrible to, to you know, going to the Rose Bowl and now national title contenders. So you must give these guys a chance to put in their system, recruit their players, have buy-in, all that kind of stuff. And there are situations where it's a it's a complete and utter mess, like in Knoxville. But uh, you got to give these guys time to put in the right system. And let's talk about the coach on the other side, uh, Jim Harbaugh. You know, so it just came out that Jim McElwain's getting death threats. Uh, his team started 3-3 three and three this season, and they don't look very good, but he's won two division titles. Jim Harbaugh has not won a division title. Um, and, you know, the team's 5-2, and two, not a bad record, but, you know, certainly I think I read he has uh, more losses in his last 12 games than Urban Meyer has in his entire Ohio State career or something similar to that. So is Harbaugh overrated, I guess, is the question. I don't think he's overrated. I think two things are playing into this. One, the expectations when he got there were so incredibly high that it was almost national championship or bust immediately. And two, and this is something that Michigan fans have to face and don't really want to face, is they've not been relevant on the national stage in at least five years. Uh, I had my report, uh, my my uh, my staff look at this. Uh, they haven't had back-to-back winning seasons since 2002-2003, so they haven't really been nationally relevant for a very long time. Uh, there are obviously questions about what what's going on there in terms of the offense, but he is recruiting well, and I don't think that he's overrated. Um, Ten wins back-to-back with a, with a team that has been very, very average. Again, he's putting the... the the pieces in place to get things done there but the reality is is that Penn State's not going anywhere they're by far a much better team Ohio State isn't going anywhere and Michigan State beat them again this year so yeah Urban is 43 and 2 in the Big Ten and and Jim Harbaugh has that many losses in the last two games so uh the expectations are are were so off the off the charts that uh you know 10 wins seems like a disappointing season to Michigan fans. Did you say your staff looked at 2002, 2003, the back, last back-to-back winning seasons? Back-to-back double-digit winning double seasons. Double-digit winning, okay. Right. I don't think I heard, I don't think you said the double-digit part. <laughs> no, it's just going to be like... I'll have to staff. fire my staff. <laughs> well, your staff is on crack, and you don't have a staff, we know that, but... Uh, 
Last like, tr- okay. last three three in a row, double digit winning seasons. Yep. Staff. 97, 98, and 99. So this isn't exactly a team that's uh, been dominating the football field in the last 20 years well, or so. You know, and there was a national championship in there. I think, you know, there, there's there's certain fan bases we know that, that, you know, are so hungry to get back to uh, the winning days, uh, the glory days of old, Miami, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Michigan, I would think would be the, the Mount Rushmore of those fan bases. And, uh, you know, Michigan fans are – going to be they're going to be obviously very patient but even on the fort uh, at the wolverine.com they're they're starting to question their fearless leader um you know so that's the way it is you know jimbo fisher had somebody yell from the stand new coaches new coaches and he wanted to fight the guy or something you know like you have to just realize that's the way of the world it's kind of reactionary it's how I write, honestly. It, I'm reactionary. You know, I wrote Friday, Notre Dame has no chance of running the table. I wrote Monday that Notre Dame could run the table. <laughs> you know, like, things change all the time in college football. So I don't think Harbaugh is overrated. I think he lost, what, 17 guys to the NFL last year. And then people point out, well, you know, with those 17 guys, they still finished third in their own division. It's a really good division. And maybe Penn State's better than we give them credit for. Um, I don't think this is you know, any issue where it's going to run him out of town on his own and say, wow, I want to be back in the NFL. I'm tired of this garbage. Uh, he loves recruiting. He loves Michigan football. Uh, I still stick by what I wrote a couple of weeks ago, and I'm probably going to have to write it again um, because there's so much hatred for Jim Harbaugh out there after this loss. I still think in the next couple of years they'll be in the playoff. I think they'll be one of those four teams. And that, that's not easy. It's four teams. If it was eight, it'd be an easy prediction. But, you know, the quarterback situation needs to be addressed and fixed. The offensive line is young. The defense is young. Uh, this is a rebuilding season, and rebuilding means 8-4, and 9-3 and three at, at, at best. And I think that's where we're headed. So I'm not freaking out if I'm a Michigan fan. But everybody loves to crap on Harbaugh because Harbaugh craps on everybody. And I get it. So, you know, he deserves some of it. But he's still a good coach, and I, I don't see overrated. I think the expectations, as you say, are just – astronomical they need to address the quarterback situation though and find a superstar there because they don't have one now are they recruiting one we'll see i think you know joe milton is a developmental guy uh, he could he does have superstar potential but the best thing i read this past weekend about this and you can agree or disagree with this is that the penn state of today played the penn state of t- 15 years ago on saturday and and that's the way of the world penn state used to line up like michigan and run the ball right at everybody and they'd win some games 13-7 and lose some games 13-7 uh and now they can go and blow basically anybody out uh they've done it all year long and so does Harbaugh need to change the way he runs his offense uh they they obviously maybe they're masking a little bit of of not having enough uh and trying to just power and keep the ball and all those kinds of things but when you go three and out, three and out, three and out, and you're punting to Penn State, and a, a good defense can only hold so long before they start getting blown away. Well, the only reason Penn State is, I mean, when they hired Moorhead, they became this. Yeah. You know, uh, they were they were not this. And and you remember the one year under Joe Paterno, they actually changed the offense, and Michael Robinson was the quarterback, and Derek Williams was getting involved in jet sweeps and all that interesting, fun stuff. 
and they had an exciting season. And then the next year, Joe Pa went back to boring Penn State football, and they started to suck again. It's just I don't think they need a great quarterback to win at Michigan. I think they need a serviceable quarterback. I think they need someone who can complete a freaking pass. Right. I think they need somebody who won't turn the ball over. I think you can still win with power running and great defense, which I think they will have. Um, you know, they just need a quarterback, a serviceable guy. I mean, you put Hornybrook at Michigan, who I am not, you know, I don't believe he's that good. Um, you know, I think they're a, a much better football team because Wisconsin, they that's what they do. They line it up, they run it, they play good defense, and they're number five in the country. Uh, they've got a recipe that never wins them a national championship, hasn't got them to a playoff, but you know that they're going to be competing every year, you know, in that top five, 10 range for a while. Uh, they just need a guy who can throw the football or corn is not that guy. Spate was not that guy. Um, Brandon Peters, for some reason is still on the bench. Uh, we don't think McCaffrey's that guy. I don't think Joe Milton's that guy. Uh, right now, anyways, I mean, he's, he's a project. They just need someone to come in there and stabilize that position. Uh, the offensive line will get better as they get, you know, more experience. But, you know, that just shows quarterbacks. But, you, you know, Alabama wins national championships with extremely average quarterbacks. You can do it. And Michigan can do it as well. You just can't have horrible quarterbacks. And that's what he's got yeah. this year. Now, can... Penn State beat Alabama. They're clearly the top two teams in the country, I think everybody agrees right now. Can they beat Alabama? Do I think if they line up and play for the national championship, Penn State wins that game? No, I don't, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was close and they had a chance at the end. Yeah, and I don't think they would have a chance. I, I watched, obviously, you know, the Alabama-Tennessee game waiting for Butch Jones to be fired at halftime or maybe in the middle of the third quarter or, you know, <laughs> at any point in time. Um and I don't think anybody's going to beat Alabama. I, I just, my goodness, that defense is just so nasty. I mean, they they hit on a different level of anybody. When they hit you, you are looking out of your ear hole. You just are getting killed on every play, and there's usually five or six guys arriving at the football with anger, with athleticism, with speed. I just don't see anybody who could hang with that defense right now and it's not even as good as last year's defense but there's no Deshaun Watson out there so that's why I say I don't think they could beat Alabama the thing with Alabama and obviously I think they're a phenomenal team obviously well coached the best team in the country but have they played anybody yet with an offensive with any kind of pulse we know Florida State is garbage we know Fresno State Colorado State Vandy Ole Miss a&M gave them a game, only lost by eight. Arkansas, Tennessee. So they haven't played anybody. They won't until, I'd say, at least Mississippi State, maybe LSU at Auburn, then Georgia will be a test for them. So Alabama looks phenomenal, but they've played a bunch of stiffs. Uh, Penn State hasn't played anybody either. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they just beat but, Michigan, which has one of the worst offenses you're going to see in college football. Yeah, but they scored 42 on a defense that has been lauded as one of the best in the country and is definitely clicking and looks good. So And still still haven't beaten anybody. 
And yes, I, I I had the Michigan defense at number one in the country a few weeks back, and everybody laughed at me, and rightfully so, because they're not the number one defense in the country. Alabama is the number one defense in the country. They're just ridiculous. I mean, they're not even full. They're not even fully healthy. You know, they're missing. You know, Williams and Anderson as as outside edge guys from last year. Uh, you know, and and they haven't replaced that speed off the edge. Their hand is hurt. But it doesn't matter. It really makes no difference whatsoever. They just run to the football, and they just kill you. And they want to hurt you, and they want to hurt you badly. And I think it would be in- interesting to see how they handle Saquon Barkley. But I can guarantee you this. He's not getting open consistently on the same wheel route over and over again against Nick Saban's defense. It's not happening. That's not a shot at Don Brown. Don Brown decided to cover Saquon Barkley with a linebacker, and they don't have a linebacker on that team that can cover Saquon Barkley. I think Alabama might have a linebacker that could cover Saquon Barkley. Uh, I think Rashawn Evans might be that guy. And if he's not, then just put one of those Swiss Army Knife safeties slash corners slash whatevers, you know, nickelbacks, and, you know, put him on him. But they can shadow a guy like Barkley and shut him down, and they can pummel McSorley into submission. So I just am so impressed with that Alabama defense, the way they hit. I think it would be a blowout right now. I think it would be akin to Notre Dame, Alabama a few years back. That's just me. Uh, I'm not going all in on Penn State. Now, after Ohio State and they face that defense, maybe I'll change my tune because I change my tune every week. Uh, But right now it's Alabama. Yeah, I think Alabama wins the game. I don't think it's a blowout. I don't think Alabama has the offensive firepower against a really good Penn State defense to blow them out, and I think Penn State figures out a way to stretch that field and get their small guys running the ball. So um, I think Alabama wins the game. I think Alabama's definitely the best team in the country, but I I don't see a blowout. And I'll tell you this. You're going to think I'm crazy, but Damian Harris is not that far behind Saquon Barkley when it comes to talented running backs. And everybody's going to say, wow, you're an idiot. What kind of moronic thing is that to say? The guy's lost like 25 pounds. He's got breakaway speed now. Tremendous vision. Great ability to cut. He's hard to tackle now. You can't catch him from behind. Barkley is in a different stratosphere when it comes to physical talent. But when it comes to great running backs, if you feature Damian Harris the way they feature Barkley, which Alabama does not do, uh, I think you would put up crazy numbers. But... Again, that's a different conversation. Get us to our next subject because I want Dave Barry to chime in on why we aren't writing Butch Jones articles yet. Yeah, I mean, you talked about waiting for him to get fired. I mean, I think a lot of people have that same feeling. Gorney, you go first. Why, why has he not been fired yet? I have no idea. And, and the problem is when they didn't fire him after South Carolina, they gave themselves an opening to have, you know, a close game against Alabama and then they couldn't fire. Okay. So Alabama destroyed him. Now you can fire him and they still haven't fired him. So what are they doing? So now there's rumors that, you know, they want to see how the season plays out. And if he goes eight and four, they're going to keep him. If they do that, they're setting Tennessee football back another two or three years because that is an awful football team. They have talent. They have talent. I, I watched that game. I've seen Tennessee numerous times this season. There's talented football players on the field. 
I think the, the greatest example of Tennessee football under Butch Jones this season is the flea flicker when not one wide receiver ran a route. That was just a summation of everything that is wrong with Tennessee. I think their offense is uh, inept and just awful. I think they've got some talented defensive players, but they just can't be on the field and, and handle the fact that the offense just doesn't move the ball. So I don't know why he's still employed. He should have been fired yesterday. Yeah, the real problem here is, you know, you fire a midseason. What does that really accomplish? You're bringing an interim guy in, then you're kind of giving up on the season. But if they win, uh, you know, eight games here, and then there's the talk about bringing him back, that's going to be very damaging to the fan base, which I was watching the UMass game. There was 5,000 people left by the end of that game, and they won the game, and no one even cared. They've looked miserable since then. They looked horrible in that game. And we're talking, oh, you know, if if Florida didn't throw a, you know, a last-second Hail Mary to win that game or whatever. But this is a team that could have easily lost to UMass, could have lost to Georgia Tech in the opener. Uh, they could be 2-5 and five right now. And uh, I, I just don't know why you just don't get rid of them, end it here, you know, play out the rest of the season however you want to play it. You know, Butch Jones is not the guy that uh, is going to win these games and go eight and four for them. So an interim coach could do just as miserable of a job. And, uh, you know, you end it here, get a coaching, you know, hire your search firm because the ADs can't figure out who the best coaches are to hire. You have to hire, go out and hire a search firm and pay him a million dollars. But uh, end it, finish it, that's it, get over and, and hire somebody else to start, start a new next season. Yeah, and Butch Jones isn't a bad person. Um, but it hasn't worked. You know, they, yeah. they started off great in recruiting. They had two top five classes in a row, and they kept all the kids in state, and, you know, they, they built talent. Well, that talent is mostly gone. Uh, those championships of life or whatever, you know, they're all gone. And now you've got, you know, much less talent on the roster than you had before. You know, the Derek Barnett's and Josh Malone's and Alvin Kamara's of the world are gone. You've got guys that are clearly just not coached up. I mean, I don't know if you saw both personal foul calls on Congo, but who's teaching you how to pass rush that way? Right. I mean, I've never seen such poor technique. I, I, could, I get that your hand can somehow get up to guys' throat, <laughs> but this isn't the WWE. I mean, and, and I think Jonah Williams was just laughing each time while he's you know congo's trying to choke him out and he's just laughing because he's like this is the most obvious blatant pen and both of them hurt badly not that they were going to mm -hmm. win that game they came out with some fire they came out playing physical but these kids aren't getting better player development if there's one area that he's had a problem it's not recruiting uh it's not that he's just been unlucky with injuries they have been unlucky with injuries but everybody has to deal with injuries it's not off-field issues it's player development. It's taking these good players that they've had recruited and turning them into great players. I could say you could argue that maybe Derek Barnett is the only one who really markedly improved to the level of superstar under Butch Jones for his entire tenure at Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, uh, and that I think is the frustration of a lot of Tennessee fans is they look at a top 15 recruiting class two years ago, the five-star player, top top. 15 recruiting class last year they're recruiting well this year but they know when they get there 
they're not going to get any better, and they're they're kind of going to get worse. So they're definitely not going to get developed, and I think that's part of the frustration. I think part of the frustration is that they just continue to get blown out by teams. They didn't they didn't even look like a competitive team against Alabama for long stretches of that game. The offense is miserable. They can't figure anything out, and the defense. You know, kind of tries, but what are you going to do? Um, you know, in the 2015 recruiting class, they had four five-star players. Drew Richmond, what has he done? Kyle Phillips. Khalil McKenzie has been a disappointment. And then Kamara, um, who's kind of having a little bit of a better NFL career than he was in college. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the player development's been terrible. And kind of the buy-in and the want-to now is, is starting to leak, too. So this is this is what it looks like when it comes to an end. And it shows you the difference between a number 15 recruiting class and a number five recruiting class. To me, you know, if you, you can finish 15 like they did last year and have a disappointing recruiting class, um, you know, they filled that class with numbers and they got a lot of high five, seven, three-star kids and some four-stars. But, you know, Hunter Johnson decommitted. T. Higgins went elsewhere. Jacob Phillips left the state. Uh, on and on it goes, you know, Jacoby Stevens left the state. They struck out on so many top targets that 15 was a disappointing recruiting class. Uh, I think their third recruiting class under Butch Jones, which was 15 after five and five was a better recruiting class. Uh, so it just, to me, it shows you that yeah, team recruiting rankings can definitely indicate who's going to win the national title. Alabama has proven that, as have in the past LSU and Texas and USC and some others. But it also shows that the drop off from like five, six, seven down to 15 can be pretty extreme. But if you're not developing those top five recruiting classes, you're certainly not going to develop the 15th ranked recruiting class. And that's the problem. So I don't know, whatever. They can keep them. I mean, I'm sure the rest of the SEC is thrilled they can keep him but he's not going to last a year so it just seems to be delaying the inevitable they're 0 4 in the sec you know if you told me two years ago when they were the favorite to win the sec east that we'd be talking in 2017 that they would have a losing record to be undefeated winless in the sec uh, i think people would think you're crazy but that's where they're at and they've got to change it so on to the next head coach that gorney wants to skewer oh no not at all i and this is kind of a debate that I've been reading about this weekend that Tom Herman's a disappointment and, you know, he needs to win games and all those kinds of things. And yes, uh, you know, they had every opportunity to beat Oklahoma State, who decided instead of throwing the ball at all, would just run Justice Hill every single time and act like uh, Michigan of the Big 12 and uh, this past weekend, which was a very odd strategy. But, um,. You know, and he's got a couple tough games coming up on the road at TCU and at West Virginia. And so, if we see a five and seven first season, and obviously that Maryland loss was inexcusable to start the season, but um, again, expectations incredibly off the charts, too high. And they do have many things to fix on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, they're playing great, out of their minds. I mean, holding Oklahoma to 29, holding Oklahoma State to 13 points, but still losing that game was probably a little bit disappointing. Taking USC to double overtime, very impressive, although USC is could be on hot garbage this week. Um, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see how recruiting goes for him in the state. He's been doing really, really well. Anthony Cook coming up, um, but 
I've been impressed, actually, with Tom Herman and the job he's been doing at Texas, especially after watching Charlie Strong for a few years completely obliterate that program. Yeah, there are moral victories that nobody wants to talk about, but they're, they're, they're getting them. Their defense is much improved. You know, they're playing a true freshman quarterback. You know, they're adjusting to a new system. The, the pass at the end was absolutely horrible. I don't care what year of football you're in, whether you're yeah. an eight-year-old or, you know, 15th season in the NFL. You just never do that. It was just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But the defense played well. You know, they even had Gundy waving the white flag and saying, I can't let Mason Rudolph throw the ball. I don't trust him. I, you know, lost trust in my Heisman candidate quarterback who he he should be in hot garbage. He looked awful. And um, we're going to play for overtime because I can't trust him and I can't trust my offense, which was ranked, what, first in the country? So Texas is doing a lot of good things, Um, you know, and I think Herman is the right guy. I was worried after the Maryland game, but the defense has really come around. And, you know, give them a few years to get the offense to come around as well. It's not like anybody else in the Big 12 is playing great except for TCU. I mean, Oklahoma keeps flirting with loss after loss after loss. Oklahoma State looked like garbage against Texas and, and got destroyed by TCU. So. The Big 12 is still not super competitive. Texas can win this thing as early as next year, possibly. Yeah, I think so, too. And it was amazing to see. I mean, yes, Mason Rudolph was terrible. He looked completely uncomfortable in the pocket. He seemed confused by what he was seeing from Texas's defense. And it just seemed like it was not clicking at all. They never got the ball to James Washington. They didn't throw the ball downfield to Aitman or Stoner or any of their guys that they have. And really, they in the second half, I think that the, that the strategy was, and this is incredible from Oklahoma State because for years they've had such a terrible defense, was we're going to run the ball, run the clock, and hope to get out of here with any kind of win. Mason Rudolph lost some serious money this past weekend, I think. Yeah. Again, you and I are the only ones who have really talked about him being a potential first-round draft pick because people don't like the 50-50 ball. They don't like the arm strength and, and all that good stuff. And they think he's a system guy because he's in the Big 12. But... He looked awful, and if that's the tape that any NFL scout's going to put in, and they're going to see that their coach gave up on him, like it's almost like Kaiser getting pulled last year by Brian Kelly, right? Uh, you know, that's kind of the 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 moment that NFL scout said, you know, remember right before that he was a lot of people had him as the number one pick in the draft and all this other garbage. Uh, they're going to see exactly what Gundy did, and and he decided to run out the clock because he couldn't trust his quarterback, and that's going to absolutely kill Mason Rudolph when it comes to the NFL. But nobody cares about that. I mean, you know, they got the win. They could score 50 in their next game because the offense does have a lot of talent. But, man, I think Texas's defense is really one of the better defenses uh, in the Big 12, probably right there with TCU. Um, But can you win games in the Big 12 without scoring a ton of points? And so far it's been proven no. No. But they'll, they'll score points, I mean, eventually. What they have to do is they have to stop Ellinger from running so much. He's going to yeah. get killed. I think yeah. there was he's created the ball like 60 times or something in the last three games. Or I mean, he's not a running back. Well, that's he's, the thing. The, the, their running game is so poor that they have to run him as a running back to kind of up the numbers because their offensive line is so decimated. But you can't do that. He could be out this week, and that's just something you can't do over and over and over again. No, and they'll recruit talent. You know, they, they've got um, got some talented kids that, you know, they got a young running back and Tennille Carter, and then they've got, 
you know, uh, I think it's the uh, Keontae Ingram kid this year. They've got talent yeah, uh, coming, you know, and the offensive line has been busted up. Um, I think Elliger is a guy, when you watch him on film in high school, just likes to take off and run. That's his thing. Yeah. But he's got to learn that this is college, and you're going to get your bell rung and, and knock senseless if you keep doing it. So they got to keep him healthy in that respect, and you know, not put it on him. I mean, Chris Warren is what 255 pounds. Uh, he's he's not he's not very fast. Right. Um, they don't have a, a great dynamic, speedy back who can you know tear you up. They'll get that guy, and then they'll be fine. But right now. Texas, you know, just be patient. Everybody's fine. Herman's a good coach. They've almost beaten two really good teams that are, you know, in the playoff hunt. Everybody's just got to relax there. So let's talk about Miami getting lucky. Because if they keep playing down to their opponents, no offense to Syracuse, they're not going to keep pulling these games out. I mean, Mark Rick said it after the game itself. He goes, I like the way we play at the end of games. I really wish we could play better in the middle of games so that we didn't get ourselves in situations where we have to play good at the end of games. I think this experience is going to help them for next year because I think that's when they're going to make their run. Um, But right now, this is a team that's, you know, obviously top 10 in the country undefeated, but just getting a little bit too lucky for my taste. But it is good to see the U back. Um, it's good to see, you know, a little bit of the swagger. It's good to see the recruiting landscape in Florida be a little bit more competitive. Um, you know, Florida's hot garbage, Florida state's hot garbage and Miami is looking pretty right now. So I think recruiting is going to be very interesting to watch in the state of Florida over the next year or two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Florida state can continue to pull such top classes. Can Florida continue to do that can they get offensive guys in there do do kids in the state see it as an opportunity to go in there and start right away or do they see it as that's the place that offensive guys go to die and you know miami if they can continue to recruit as well as they do in south florida if they can continue to get those guys not to leave uh then that could be the team that's really kind of emerging in the state you know what cracks me up about football coaches i'm still thinking back to that jimbo fisher thing in the press conference when he's talking about (laughs) how he's defending his kids and stuff like that. Right. You know, and they always do this. They always, whenever they say something stupid or, or they get in a fight with a fan or they have a press conference and they blame the negative media, like Butch Jones did, they always say that, you know, I'm doing this for the kids, the kids, the kids, the kids, the kids, the kids, they're just kids, you know, they're they're 17 to 22 year old kids. Well, the chant was not new kids. It was not new, new players. There's new coaches. So how, how is Jimbo Fisher suddenly making that about the kids? You know, support our football team, support our kids. That's what I'm out here doing. No, you're tearing into your quarterback every time every he time. comes I was, to the sideline. I was just going to say that. James Mac- Blackman throws a bad ball or incomplete or makes the wrong read. Starts yelling at him, throwing the, the papers up and down, and it just looks really bad. So, yeah, it's for the kids until... It, the kids make him look bad. Poor, poor yeah. optics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's poor it's poor optics is what it is. But yeah, it's like okay. So if Blackman came over and said, "Coach, you know, support me. I'm a kid." Jimbo would take his helmet and throw it across the the bench and sit him down. It's like, just you know, come on, just grow up. Take the you know, 
you take all the accolades when you win a national championship, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we could even go into the whole Jameis Winston delaying that whole thing to win the yeah. championship yeah. or whatever. You know, you take the good and the bad. Take the bad. But don't come out and say the kids, you're not supporting L- the Let's kids. be honest. Not, uh, very uh, little in college athletics is to support the kids. Right. And people don't want the right. kids fired. Now, you know, listen, people aren't happy with Ellinger throwing that interception, you know, but they're going to blame the coaches, you know. I mean, yeah, they'll blame the kid and, and people will be on the kid, but there'll be more people saying he's just a freshman, he's young, blah, blah, blah. The coaches should have never put him in that situation. We should have won the game long before that, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, the, ch- the chant was not new, new kids. It was new coaches. So if you're going to tear a kid down – on the sidelines in front of America every weekend over and over and over again. And then somebody says new coaches, and then you're going to defend the kids like they're your children. And and the other thing too, Mike, is that Georgia's essentially playing with a new quarterback in Fromm. Uh, Clemson is playing with a new quarterback. Miami, uh, there are teams with new quarterbacks that are winning games and competing for national championships. James Blackman has came in. In the first game of the season, it's not like this was his first game learning this. They just have not improved offensively. They look bad. And that's probably Jimbo's frustration is that he can't get this offense to do anything, even though, you know, he yells at James Blackman every single throw and gives the kid no confidence by just being frustrated with him. So, uh, you know, people are rightly frustrated. The offensive line is completely garbage. Uh, Blackman does make mistakes, and the defense is not nearly as good as anybody thought it was going to be. So there are definitely frustrations from the head coach on down. Yeah, but and look at you know I mean Alabama had a new quarterback last year. Uh, yeah. You know I mean Penn State had a new quarterback last year. Uh, mm-hmm. You know on and on you go. Hornybrook was new last year. Razier's new this year. There, there's very few guys in the top 25 that are really experience i mean wimbush is new this year even brian kelly's not tearing him apart on the sidelines and brian kelly as we all know is just loves to do that oh my god just seems to be just an awful person uh jared stidham (laughs) is new right you know will greer's new Uh, on and on but you know so that's hot garbage that's absolute hot garbage you could do your first job there dave barry because i'm fired up that's some hot garbage. Don't give me complaining about fans saying they want new coaches and then say it's about the kids, support the kids, while you're ripping the kid a new one every time he comes to the sideline. Hot garbage, yeah. Jimbo Fisher. Now, don't. Ooh, that's some hot garbage. Please don't call me because I don't want to have to explain myself. <laughs> <laughs> hot garbage. You need to support the kids to support the kids, Mike. Yeah, who Kansas? We got Kansas. Uh, oh come on, that's this it. is great. This they got to give up football. They have to give up. Football. <laughs> this is so great. Twenty-one total yards in an entire game, and TCU basically gave up in the third quarter. <laughs> They gotta give up football. They <laughs> they must stop playing football. If they, they should have one team every year that has to stop midseason. Last year it was Rutgers, where they just say, okay, you know this is, this season's not going so well. We just lost eighty to nothing in Michigan and seventy to nothing in Ohio State. We're just gonna stop playing this 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 football <laughs> thing for the year, and we're gonna regroup. We're gonna have six straight bye weeks or five straight bye weeks, and that Kansas needs to just end it this year. And then just roll out some footballs in the spring and see what happens. But they're just the worst 
team you're ever going to lay eyes on. <laughs> how, how Baylor, you... Baylor is going to destroy them, and Baylor hasn't won a game. Yeah. How do you, as a coaching staff, show up on Sunday morning and go, all right, let's break down the film. <laughs> what, what, yeah. what did we do here? We got a lot of things to work on, boys. Let's uh, break down the film. We got four first downs, so let's go through those first. Let's see how those happened. I'm sure a couple of them were on penalties. Um, I mean, it just, you know, listen, I don't want to kick a program when it's down, but let's get the fighting Manginos back. At least he, he knew how to get something out of those guys, right? I mean, you know, maybe he was supporting them in an eating contest or <laughs> Maybe he made his best speeches at the buffet, but this is coming from one fat man to another. You got to do what you got to do. But Kansas is just horrible. North Carolina might lose to Kansas, though, because <laughs> they stink. Brandon Harris, talk about. Okay, didn't work out at LSU. Let's transfer. Oh boy, even worse. They they are bad and. They are a team. Virginia Tech is hardly an offensive juggernaut. 59 points. I once wrote how bad Brandon Harris was at LSU, and he tweeted at me. <laughs> and he was, like, very upset about it. And he said that, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, blah, blah, blah. And he got a couple of his teammates to tweet at me as well. Now, can Miami play down to the level of North Carolina this week? That is the real no, question. No, it's impossible to do that. <laughs> it's impossible to do that. So, no, they're going to win by 40 points. E- even if they're going to want to, like, do some stupid things or keep this game close, they're not going to be able to. Yeah. Because that is just – and, again, I know they've been decimated by injury and they lost a lot of talent, blah, blah, blah. They stink. They're horrible. I mean, Virginia Tech could have put up 80 if they wanted to. So, North Carolina, you are hot garbage. Just drop it. Ooh, that's some hot garbage. That still sounds like – that sounds like Dave Barry to me now. No, it sounds why. like Rob. <laughs> I don't see Rob at all on that. Oh, I, I, I have an ear for these I don't hear Rob at that. All right, Arkansas. He's got to go, right? No. Got to go. You watch game day. They said he is he is the one that has the best chance of coming back because his players still believe in him and the fans like him. So that was the rationale behind him coming back. But uh, three blowouts in a row, that's not good. Listen, they're, what, two and five? He's yeah. A, in the past, they've played inconsistently, maddeningly inconsistent. Or they would win a game, and you'd be like, wow, they look good, and then they come back and they'd look horrible. Now they just stink. Now, this is another fellow fat man, so I should be defending him in every way, shape, or form. But what really kind of bothered me about him from day one was the whole whining and complaining at Wisconsin when Urban Meyer went in there and started stealing recruits yeah. and say, it's not the way we do things. There's a gentleman's agreement. We don't recruit other other committed kids. And then he went right into the SEC and started recruiting every committed kid he could lay his eyes on. He's not a guy that people like as far as the media is concerned, as far as you know, other than Arkansas fans, I don't think there's a lot of defense for some of the things he says and, and the actions. And now that he's not even coming close to winning, he's, he's on the hot seat. Let's put it. I think there's three coaching searches going on right now. I think Nebraska is searching and they're searching in Orlando, Florida um, and nowhere else. I think Tennessee is searching 
And I think Arkansas is searching for their next coach. And the thing with Arkansas, too, and I used to love watching Arkansas play because I enjoy, you know, them lining up, them trying to outmuscle people. You know, they used to run behind a huge offensive line and turn the ball down the field, keep it close. And for a lot of those games, they'd, they'd lose close. They'd have some, some bad luck happen to them. And I thought Brett Bielema was a really good coach, even though he says some obnoxious things, probably just to get attention to Fayetteville, Arkansas, because no one really cares. But uh, they're just not good now. Their defense is, is terrible. Uh, they can't really score. Uh, anybody that, you know, is a legit team with a heartbeat, they get blown out to. So, you know, hot garbage, definitely on the hot seat and probably will be replaced at the end of the year, even though the guys on game day think the fans like him and uh, his players like him, so he should stay. Yeah, that's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) I mean, players love everybody. They love their coach. I mean, I, I remember Derek Dooley when he was being ousted at Tennessee. The players all rallied around him. They liked him, blah, blah, blah. You know, they, they of course they love their coach. And they're all disappointed when their coach goes. But then the new coach comes in and they love and him. And they love him, and they yeah. forget about the old one. Yeah. You know, and, and if, the, if, if the Arkansas fans are happy uh, right now, then, hey, good for you. Whatever you got going on down there, whatever you're drinking or smoking, Give it so, give some of it to me because, really, right now the only difference between Arkansas and Kansas is the AR in front of <laughs> Kansas. They both stink. They're both hot garbage. Uh, they're playing awful football, and they they just got to make a change there. And then the last one's Tennessee. That offense is just so bad. We talked about it already, so we don't have to talk about it. We already talked about Florida State and how bad they are. Yeah. We don't really have to go into depth, do we, about how Tennessee is hot garbage? No, I, I think it's been stated. <laughs> I think now, you made the opposite. The opposite of hot garbage is the fact that um, UMass won their first game. The fact that uh, UMass not College... only won their first game, but they got the other coach fired after it. That's how. That's how dominating yep. they were that's right and then boston college and Rutgers are both on two game winning streaks so northeast football is what we call kicking ass and i believe central connecticut state whooped up on bryant this past weekend uh and yukon has won two straight as well yeah so where where i live is where the real football is being played clearly so that's the opposite of hard garbage that's like cold garbage sweet sweet tasty just thrown out Taco Bell garbage. That's what that is. That's, that's sounds appetizing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> some of us hang out at the local Taco Bell dumpster. <laughs> some of us don't. We could end it on that though. Yeah, all right. All right. Well, let's end it there. We will be back later in the week. Uh, make sure to check us out on Twitter at Rivals Mike at Adam Gorney and at Real Dave Barry. Also, check us out on iTunes. Make sure to leave us a review. That helps us out a lot. So we will see you guys again later in the week with another edition of The Godfather and Gorney.